Welcome to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke, and today's guest is Royce Morales. She is a spiritually-based transformational facilitator, author, and host of the Perfect Life Awakening Show. She helps people release sources of self-sabotaging fears and limiting beliefs from current as well as past lives. Today, we will discuss the transformations that occur from discovering past life incidents that are subconsciously affecting us as well as what soulmate love is really about. Royce, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us about your journey. What led you to become a spiritual teacher? That's a great question. I never in a million years thought I was going to become a spiritual teacher. I was just one of these people that questioned everything. I was a skeptic. I thought all of it was crazy. You know, I used to judge people when they would talk about their past lives. And I thought, oh, my God, these people are so naive. And <laughs> and then I started to have so many questions that couldn't be answered. And I looked everywhere, you know, even from the age of four, I was asking my mother questions that she couldn't answer. It became my life's obsession to find the basic answers of life. What happens when you die? I had so many interesting things that just threw me into my own spiritual search, I had a person come up to me in one of the spiritual classes that I was involved in. And she said, you seem to know a lot of stuff. Would you consider teaching me? And I, I thought she was crazy. I really did. And <laughs> I did. And out of my mouth came, sure, I'd love to bring your friends. I had no idea where that sentence came from. And a few weeks later, she arrived and she brought 10 of her friends. And I sat there and I stuttered and I stammered and I blushed and I had no idea what I was talking about, but words started to come out of my mouth and they just arrived intuitively and everybody came back the next week. And from that point on, it was all word of mouth and people just kept coming. I found that these downloaded basic answers would arrive to me. And after everybody would leave, I would write them all down and it would be like, wow, I didn't know that. And I was getting the answers that I had been asking for my entire life. So it basically started like that. And then, of course, being on a spiritual path and being a spiritual teacher was, like I said, not anything I ever thought I would do, but it just became who I am. You know, I've been doing this for over four decades and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still evolving. Yeah. You mentioned downloads. And before we talk about that, also past lives were mentioned. How did you stumble upon that or how did you discover that? That's another interesting story. When I was involved in the spiritual group that I was involved in where that woman approached me, the teacher there was teaching us how to become channelers. And I was opening up to that part of myself that, again, I didn't know I had and I thought it was all crazy and one night in our meditation, I had this full-on past life experience where I felt myself drinking poison and I felt it going down my esophagus and into my stomach and saw myself die. And afterward, I'm telling the teacher this story because it was so profound and it was so real. And she said, oh, no, we don't believe in past lives here. And I thought, well, that's kind of strange because I went my whole life not believing in past lives. But when I had that experience, I couldn't deny it. And what I really couldn't deny was the fact that after I remembered that incident in that past life, I had a chronic stomach problem get healed. You know, I had been carrying that memory subconsciously with me and by releasing it and getting in touch with it, 
my stomach healed. So from that point on, I started receiving a lot of past life memories like that very spontaneously that had profound influence on my health and my life and my relationships and my understanding of things. And the healing properties are pretty evident in past life explorations. I've heard that quite a bit. By the way, you mentioned the teacher. What type of teacher was this that said that we don't believe in past lives? I know, isn't that bizarre? She called herself a spiritual teacher, was in a place called the Spiritualist Society in Beverly Hills, which is a whole other story how I found that place. And she just, again, taught people how to be channelers, taught people how to open up. And I became one of their star people. They had me on display and all of that. And I found that, yeah, that's it's really nice to get messages from your Uncle Henry about adding air to your tires. But it, I felt like there was something more, more information that I was supposed to be giving people, or more helpful things, more profound things. And I started to receive that type of information, you know, much to the chagrin <laughs> of my teacher, because she was putting me on display to tell people things that their Uncle Henry wanted them to do. She didn't want all this higher consciousness stuff. That makes no sense. She's supposed to be a spiritual teacher. You mentioned spiritualist, which mm -hmm. is derived from the spiritualist movement, which yes. is all about mediumship. Something there doesn't add up. It's a very strange thing to hear from a spiritualist yes. type teacher. You want to hear her explanation of it? Why she didn't? Why didn't she believe in it? Her explanation, and I still to this day crack up when I remember this. She said, well, think about it logically. There you are, a full-grown spirit trying to get back into a tiny baby body. That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I thought that was so ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. That person is definitely suspect. So tell us about soulmates, soulmate love. I've been told that there are many different types of soulmates. According to pop culture, soulmates are often thought of to be forever. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes they're just meant to be in your life for sometimes a short period. Is that true? Yeah. In, in fact, I wrote an entire book about my own personal experience of discovering my soulmate. I just have to say that the Hollywood interpretation of soulmates is definitely not accurate. They don't go walking off into the sunset together and live in bliss. <laughs> If you believe on an energetic level, we arrive and split for the purpose of earth living. That's how I understand it. That's how I've re remembered it in my processing, in my meditations. You split for earth living, male side, female side. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm always going to be a woman and this person is always going to be a man, but there's that kind of a split. And we have this kind of subconscious need to reconnect on an energetic level with that person. However, that person could be our biggest trigger. They could be our biggest button pusher. They could be the one that challenges us the most because their purpose is to reconnect from a pure place. So you can rejoin those two energies and have an experience of what pure unconditional love is about. So in, in my situation, this person arrived in my life and he just you know, shoved things in my face in order for me to wake up and remember who I really was and to get my power back. And I did the same thing for him. But at the end of that relationship, we both knew that it wasn't meant to be a romantic relationship. And we split, shall we say, and went off to live our more empowered lives with other people. 
So that's what I find that soulmate love. It's really not the stereotypic idea at all. Okay. Although some people, it is meant to be romantic, you know, but you could have a soulmate relationship with your mom or with your best friend, but it really depends on what your soul is here to do and what you're here to learn and experience and teach. And speaking of what you're here to learn in your exploration of past lives, have you entered into that space, which is called life in between lives, in between incarnations. Tell us about that. What is it like? What does it feel like? And do you think that maybe that space has many different names, such as the healing space, heaven? I've never been there, so I don't really know. Yeah. Well, I just call it the between lives realm. And basically that is where your higher consciousness, your spirit, your soul goes and you do a life review with your teachers and guides and you determine what the next life is supposed to be. What are you supposed to still learn? There's a lot of strange things that can happen in that realm. There's actually a few books that are written about it and I'm personally exploring it more and more in my own inner work. It's really about determining your next choices what lifetime would be the best teacher for me? Which parents would be the best parents for me to learn what I'm supposed to learn and to manifest my unique purpose in being here? When people start getting in touch with that, they start realizing, oh, wow, yeah, well, that was the perfect choice. Even though those parents were horrible and abusive, it was the choice that I made so that I could accomplish what I'm here to do and so that I could learn and and resolve all the stuff that I've done that I need to see. So yeah, it's quite a fascinating realm. That's very consistent with what other people that have come on to the to podcast have said as well. It's almost like casting a movie. Yes, exactly. You choose the characters and the script. The Long Island medium, I think her name is Teresa Caputo. In one of her books, she said, life is like an episode of Saturday Night Live. Everybody wears different costumes and does different skits and so forth. But at the end of the night, everybody gets back together and they hug. I thought that was brilliant. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. And she seems to be very experienced because she also revealed that she had learned that this life, this incarnation is her last. And I thought, why aren't you lucky? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I have a funny quote about that, if you like. Sure. I've had a lot of people say that to me. And I read somewhere, I forget who said it, but when people start saying that, just say to them, well, don't pack your bags. (laughs) You'll probably be back. Yeah. If you say something like, I'm never coming back to earth again, that means you need to come back. Exactly. The more resistant you are, the more you need to be here. Yeah. You've discovered, like many, that the exploration of past lives definitely has a healing property like you had just mentioned with your stomach issue. And do you think at some point that might become more of a mainstream practice, maybe not in this life, but maybe in the future where it's very common for someone to go to a past life regressionist or a therapist to seek out a problem. Can you imagine a bunch of people sitting around maybe in a hair salon asking each other, well, what are you doing this weekend? (laughs) Well, I'm going to do a past life regression. I have a stomach issue and I want to see whether that happened in what century or what millennia. I have fantasies like that. When I work with people and they have breakthroughs like that, I always think, God, what if this were just like massive? What if everybody did this? It would just be 
the entire world would transform because nobody would feel like a victim because we'd all understand, well, yeah, I have this stomach thing because I killed myself in my last lifetime or I killed my best friend in their life. Everything would make sense and we wouldn't be walking around feeling like victims. Yeah. Didn't Edgar Casey say there are no victims? Only volunteers. <laughs> Okay, that's a new one. I haven't heard that, but I will steal that from you if you don't there mind. There you go. <laughs> okay, good. There is a practice you call mirroring, mm. and it has to do with the healing process. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that works? It's probably the core of what I teach because, and it's the most difficult for people to get because you have to take full responsibility for your life. The way that I explain mirroring, I compare it to a seesaw. And if you push one side of the seesaw down, the other side comes up. And on an energetic level, we're pushing things down. We're, we're pushing down the memories of our past lives. We're pushing down our fears. We're pushing down our false beliefs and programs. And they have to come up somewhere else. So if I'm pushing down my anger, which I used to do really well, my husband would walk into a room and get pissed off and punch at the wall. And when I finally realized he was the other side of my seesaw, he was acting on the anger that I was suppressing. And I stopped suppressing it and I got in touch with what it was really about and I resolved it. He stopped punching through walls. So that's a real simple example of what mirroring is. But when people start to see that, when they understand that, oh, yeah, it's me. You are mirroring something about myself that I don't want to look at and I don't want to admit to, whether it's in this life or a past life. We kind of stop and look within and see what's being mirrored and we can resolve it so that we don't have to punch that person back. <laughs> really interesting. I've never heard that, but it sounds like it's an energy exchange. The energy that's being suppressed is transferred to another person, Yes, assuming they are sensitive. I don't think everyone's going to pick up on that, but it does make sense. Yeah. They don't even have to be sensitive. The way that I explain it is on some level, we've agreed to be together. So my husband needed to work on his anger. I needed to work on my anger. So he became the other side of the seesaw acting out on that anger in a big, huge way so I could finally get it. And when I got it and released it, suddenly he was able to release his too. So he didn't know he was doing this consciously. Nobody knows they're doing it consciously. I call it the dance of mirrors. <laughs> so on a soul level or a higher consciousness level, we've chosen to do this together so we could get it. Dance of Mirrors. That sounds like a song title. Now, with the mirroring, does that require that the two people that mirror each other are meant to be together or not necessarily? On a higher consciousness soul level, yeah, we're meant to be together to work through this together. What I find, like I said, is when I resolve my end of it, the other side of the seesaw can stop reacting in that way. So that other side of the seesaw doesn't even have to be aware of what's going on. And I've had hundreds of examples of people getting it on their end and the other end just reflecting something different to them. It's amazing. It really is. So this can have some transformative effects. Oh, yeah. Releasing pent-up subconscious beliefs, which could be from this life or from a previous life. Yes. Right? Yeah. It can go as far back as the beginning of time. We carry this stuff with us and we're suppressing it because we believe that you know, we don't want anybody to know how angry we are. We don't want anybody to know how undeserving we feel or whatever it is. So the more we push it down, the bigger 
things show up in our lives to wake us up. And it, it can be happening on a planetary level too. It's like we're pushing down so much in our world that it's coming up in dramatic ways around us so that we can finally wake up and go, oh, it's just a mirror. <laughs> I can see that happening, especially with current world events. For those of us that are curious about the past lives, can you give us some examples of some of your memories that come from perhaps specific time periods, centuries, or maybe even millennia? Oh, gosh, there's so many. There's so many that are huge. But the one that comes to mind right now is a time that I recalled being a Native American. And I was a woman. And in those days, women were not allowed to be leaders or teachers. So I had to sneak off with some women from the tribe and teach them some of the, the information that I had you know, intuitively gathered. And of course, we got caught and we were sold off into some kind of a ship, took us away. And, and for centuries, I was carrying the guilt of that because there I was offering this wonderful teaching and we all got in trouble. What I teach people to do with that information is to go through those memories and see what they decided right then about themselves. And so I had decided a whole slew of things about myself, such as, gee, I don't deserve to be a teacher. It's scary to teach people this stuff. So that particular belief system was brought with me into this life. And here I am being presented with all this information that I need to get out to the world. And yet a deeper part of me was saying, don't do it. It's too scary. You're going to hurt people. You're going to get enslaved, all that. So by resolving that, you know, I was able to bring my teachings out in a more pure, more deserving way. Do you have any memories that are before recorded time, like going way back, like thousands of years? Yes. People will ask about past life memories, like how far back do they go? And I've heard people talk about going back to the caveman era or before recorded time. Yes. Anything that really comes to mind? <laughs> yes. Lots of things come to mind getting these down to like such simple ways of explaining them. But some of these memories took five, 10 years to fully unfold in my consciousness because they were so upsetting to my little primitive self over here that I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to know that I could remember that far back and that that far back was still impacting my life. But I have clear memories of choosing to come here from another planet and inhabit human form. That in itself was a huge incident for me to remember because, oh my God, what does that mean? Do you remember what star race that was? I don't know. All I know is the planet was very red and there was a leader there that was telling people what to do. And I was connected to the leader and I knew that I was supposed to come and bring some knowledge down here to earth. And then I got all caught up in being human, so I didn't do a good job. And, you know, the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> so here I am being a spiritual teacher. <laughs> That's a common refrain hmm. where people or beings come to Earth and they get caught up in the density of Earth. I've heard that many, many times. So would you agree then we are all starseeds? or not necessarily? I believe that we are. There's different races and different levels of people, different purposes in being here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And what I got caught up in, which is interesting, not so much being this human form, but I caught up in the fact that 
oh, it's so beautiful here. It's green. It's lush. So that became the issue that got in the way of doing what I was supposed to do. And speaking of what you're supposed to do, your work involves trying to get a client to get aligned with their true purpose. How do you go about doing that? Well, a lot of it is getting some big shovels out and remembering and releasing anything that's getting in the way, especially some of the incidents that I've described where I decided that I'm not deserving. That's really the core that people need to get in touch with. Why do I believe I don't deserve to teach? Why do I believe I don't deserve to be the loving, purposeful, empowered human that I really am? And when people get in touch with those old incidents, everything shifts. I remembered why I didn't deserve to be a teacher. And then suddenly my teachings can shift and I can attract more people. So everything becomes a mirror of what I truly deserve. So that's the work that I do. And it's very deep. It's very profound. It's not sitting around and philosophizing about spiritual concepts. It's really doing the digging and doing the mirror looking and discovering sources, the origins of a lot of the stuff that we're carrying with us for centuries. So it goes back to healing those issues from the current or the past lives, however far back that goes. Last question about the past lives. Do you have any memories of so-called ancient civilizations that many people think is fantasy and mythology or not necessarily? I've dabbled here and there with that, but I don't believe that any of it is a fantasy. I think that there's things that maybe we've interpreted in kind of our human way, but I don't think any of it, it is a fantasy. Let's talk about the Perfect Life Awakening Show. This is your podcast, and I think you interview people on things like channeling and intuition and so on. So what has that taught you about channeling and, for that matter, the spirit world? A lot of it is just already affirming what I already know. A lot of my guests are people that have gone through near-death experiences. For whatever reason, I seem to attract a lot of people that have gone through that. And I've had people go through very negative, hellish near-death experiences, and they talk about that and try to understand that. So yeah, it, it's fascinating. The guests that seem to find me or I seem to find them, a lot of it is just, wow, this is really fascinating stuff. Oh yeah, I, I can say the same. You mentioned the hellish, the dark NDEs, uh, yes. as they're called. Why do you suppose, based on some of the people that you've interviewed, that they have those experiences? Is it because they're bad people or what could possibly be the cause? Everybody is different, of course, but the one person I'm thinking of, she was in a coma and she had this hellish NDE. And when she came back, what she realized was that who she is is a spiritual being and she has very specific purposes in being here. And one of them was to write a book about it, to help people because nobody talks about it. Apparently 10% of NDEs are negative ones, which nobody hears about. Everybody talks about heaven and angels and all this stuff, but nobody says, oh, you know, I went to hell. So she's written a couple of books about it. It's really interesting stuff, but it wasn't about her being a bad human. It was really about bringing her purpose back with her. 
it certainly shook her up. Interesting. I remember I interviewed a woman, I believe her name is Kathy McDaniel. She wrote a book about that dark NDE, but I didn't realize it was 10%. That's a lot. That's one out of 10. Another man that I interviewed, Robert Baer, he was, I believe, the vice president of IANS at one time. And now he is affiliated with Spiritual Awakenings International. And he had a fascinating NDE. He didn't come out and say it was dark, but he said it was very humbling. He was out for 45 minutes. And he had a life review and I have a whole episode on it, but he said, I am not looking forward to when the time comes when I die. Wow. And he said, I was in a position of power and I thought he was a very, very humble man. He had the life review and everything else. And he said, to say the least, it was pretty intense. I think these people, the near-death experience survivors, can tell us a hell of a lot more than some of these religious books, shall we say. about what really happens. You know, is that your experience as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, let the person know that he can always clean up whatever he did and not have to create that negative experience when he decides to leave this body. So channeling, right? That goes hand in hand with the star seeds and that whole experience because channelers usually say they come in contact with all types of beings different types of beings, and some beings are more like a group consciousness. Mm -hmm. Have you had any experiences like that? Nothing pops into my mind, but I know that a lot of the meditation work that I do connects on so many different levels, very higher consciousness and very lower consciousness, whatever needs to come through. But for me, it's more about what do I need to personally get in touch with so that I can be the pure, loving person that I'm here to be? What buttons and triggers do I need to get in touch with so that I can really manifest a true empowered purpose here? So whatever shows up is there, you know? Speaking of buttons and triggers, that purpose of that thing that you may want to experience might not necessarily be something pleasant. Yes. Oh yeah. Some of the lifetimes that took me years to get through were very unpleasant, terrifying. In fact, one of the very first experiences I had of a past life memory just came into my head. And it was so gruesome that I just opened my eyes and said, that's it. I'm not doing this work anymore. So it took me about a year to finally sit down and meditate and see what I needed to see about that. But it took years of just slowly having it unfold so that I could get in touch with it and and be done with it and clean things up here that I'm here to clean up. It sounds almost like what actors have to do to get in touch with certain things for a role they play, which again goes back to the in-between space. Because if you look at it that way, the analogy of us being actors. Wasn't it Shakespeare that said, all the world's a stage. Yes. We are merely players, performers, and portrayers. Yes. It's also a song called Limelight, which I thought was amazing. That makes perfect sense that we are, we're almost like actors. And plus you add that to the fact that because of our fears, we, we take on various masks and roles and all kinds of stuff to cover up who we really are. So there's that you know double level of what's going on. Good point. Really, really good point. Higher consciousness and lower consciousness. Is there a parallel between those levels and that of the spirit world? Or is it something completely different? Um, if I understand your question correctly, who we are on a spiritual level is pure. 
And when we come into these bodies, we connect with other energy. I call it the lower consciousness or the fear-based consciousness, because being in a human body, our main goal is to survive. So we join in with that energy and it's not that it's bad. It's just its purpose is very different than our higher consciousness energy, which is love, power, (laughs) truth, joy. The lower consciousness is survive. And so it does all kinds of things to kind of get us to survive, including buying into fear and buying into what's said to us about ourselves strictly so that we can survive. But when we do leave this body, those two energies kind of separate out and the fear-based one chooses another body to protect and the higher consciousness one goes off and does what it's supposed to do and learns what it's supposed to learn. So there's that kind of a duality. Duality does come up quite a bit in these discussions as well. Observations on the spirit world. I've been told there are levels in the spirit world which tend to correspond with where you are in your ascension and your consciousness. I've also been told that you can see groups of people on a higher level, but you can't go and hang out with them. What are your thoughts on that based on your experience? Well, it's kind of like, what do I still need to learn? And we attain the level of wherever we're at in terms of you know, how much did we resolve? How much of our physical attachment have we let go of? How much love are we really manifesting here? Are we doing our purpose? And I find that those highest consciousness people, a lot of times don't choose to come back and be in a physical form. They hang out as angels and whatever to assist us. But if they do choose to come back, a lot of times they might be the the very quiet spiritual teacher, or they might be a person living in a cave, or they might be the person making jokes about everything and lightening up the world. People say to me, well, what about Jesus? And what about people like that? Have they ascended? And are they ascended masters or whatever? But not necessarily. They could be. (laughs) I don't know. I don't like to pigeonhole anybody. I think that kind of like what I was saying before about soulmate relationships, there's a part of us that knows what we're here to do. And it doesn't have that attitude of, well, that makes me better, or that makes me an ascended master, or that makes me pure consciousness. We just kind of do whatever we're supposed to do, however we're supposed to do it. You know, whether it's I'm here to push somebody's button so they can wake up, or I'm here to let somebody know that they're an amazing human being. Whatever it is that I'm here to do is what I'm supposed to do. Now, have you had contact with beings like angels, beings of light, spirit guides, things like that? Yes. Yes. They are real. They are real. (laughs) Yes. And in fact, a lot of the contact that I've had are with people that I never in a million years would think that they had reached that level. For example, my ex-husband died a few years ago in the last couple of months. He's just been coming through to me all the time. And he's saying these amazing, profound things that he certainly didn't say when he was alive. And he's just doing these profound things and he's apologizing and he's helping me and doing all kinds of things. It's just beautiful. And I I look at him and I'm like, wow, (laughs) you've really evolved in seven years. So there's that kind of thing too. So you've had contact with lots of different beings, including souls of loved ones who have passed on. I've been told for us to work off karma coming to earth because it's so dense and primitive is one of the best ways to do that. But 
also, you just mentioned that it's possible for us to evolve when we're in that space, whatever you want to call that space, yeah. once we've crossed over. Yeah. Do they ever tell you what they do while they're there? Or I haven't gotten details about that. But when I said to my ex-husband, wow, it took you seven years to come through, he said, well, I've had a lot of work that I had to do. <laughs> so I'm like, well, yeah, you sure do. So yeah, from my understanding of the spirit realm, time is not the same as how it is here. You know, exactly. so seven years could be seven seconds. Yeah, that would be very nice to experience that, wouldn't it? Yeah. No time. Yeah. Anything else that our listeners need to know? Well, back to what you're saying about Earth School. <laughs> I always talk about how Earth School is. We choose to be here because it is such a final exam, so to speak. It's really tough because we are in these physical forms and we've forgotten who we are and we don't know why we're here and what's it all about. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a choice made from, I really want to get it fast. I know I do. Let's do these bodies. <laughs> Excellent. Royce, thanks so much for coming on to the show today. Really, really cool information. In the meantime, how can our listeners find you online? My website is perfectlifeawakening.com or roycemorales.com. I'm on Instagram as Royce Morales. My books are all on Amazon. So you can find me pretty easily. Excellent. I will put those links in the show notes and the transcript as well. You've been listening to Closer to Venus. I'm Johnny Burke. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. You can also find more info on closertovenus.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.